Yo, this is Julian Elijah Martinez. And this is Colin J. Harden. And you're listening to the Episode 1 Show. Welcome to the Episode 1 Show. Thank you for coming back and listening to this podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Today, we will be covering the masterwork <laughs> that is Sopranos. Are you nervous? Cue the mafia music. Right. Cue cue the cue the slow uh, trumpet horn saxophone. <laughs> Yo, so when I used to live in Inwood, uh, I don't know people who know Inwood. The Dykeman stop on um, uh, 191st, actually 191st, the A stop. There's a big long tunnel, and in that tunnel there was always this guy playing the trumpet, and he would mm. always play the Godfather theme. Literally, twenty-four <laughs> hours. Like twenty-four hours, he would be sitting there. Every time I stopped, every time I got off that stop and was walking home to my dad's place, this dude would be playing the Godfather theme song in this tunnel up in Inwood, <laughs> which is got which is why New York is surreal. I don't know what made me think of that. Maybe because we're talking about mafia and mob bosses, but yeah, yeah. I mean, how many reference? How many times they reference Godfather in this show? Oh, all the time. In, Godfather. In Goodfellas, Goodfellas, you know what yeah. I mean? Liter- like literal references slash like homages, like mm-hmm. this. I mean, all right. So we're doing for the first time one of the shows that everyone says if you're gonna want to learn how to write for TV, you have to watch this show. Mm-hmm. You have to study the show. It's like one of like ten shows that everyone's like, you didn't see the, you haven't seen this show. What the hell's wrong with you? Like, yeah. So me, I don't know about you, Colin. I'm a little nervous to try to unpack. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> nervous this time. No, not no. I'm not nervous this time. Like uh, we were talking a little, just, you know, to talk out of school. You can stop me if I'm if I am. But when we before we got on the mic, we were talking about how like how are we gonna bring something different to this? You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. everybody said everything there is to say you know what i mean and that's Mm -hmm. kind of the issue so the funny part is when you tell people that you do a podcast about pilots they're gonna be have you done this one yeah have you done sopranos have you done breaking bad have you done game of thrones you you know what i mean they're gonna they're gonna drop all those but the again the the issue is what do you bring to it and i just said look we bring us we bring us (laughs) (laughs) we we bring us and we also bring the fact that like me and colin are both learning how to write we're baby writers Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're gonna, as we learn how to write, you're also you're also following our own journey in the terms of like as we're studying this wonderful craft that is screenwriting. And so we're approaching what is what a lot of people consider to be the Shakespeare of TV. And so me and Colin are gonna basically share what we have learned and what we're taking from it. We're also two brothers watching this show, and let's just say racial. Uh, Racial uh, 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 portrayals in this show are very interesting to watch in 2024 than they probably were in 99. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, that's a good point. You know, bringing up the year of release is important, too, because when we're talking about 99, I won't say my age, but I will say I was not even in high school. Mm hmm. Yeah, I was not even in high school when this show came out, so I couldn't have really understood some of the references at the time. Mm-hmm. But when you, there's a lot of like political things going on that they we're talking about. Right. There's a lot of, uh, and and I always think about any pre nine eleven show. Yeah, is is always fascinating to me when yeah. you know there's the twin towers are in 
yeah. the uh, the opening credits of this. Yeah, show. and it's striking. It's it's really mm-hmm. striking to see the Twin Towers as you know in the very famous opening credits as Tony is driving from New York to Jersey to see that you you're we're in a we're in a, a new york that doesn't exist we're in a new jersey that doesn't exist it's pretty powerful and also like then lies the themes that are happening within the show of like the old world versus the new world and this quickly modernizing uh, uh society that they're all living in and how their own personal themes are coming into conflict and coming to juxtaposition with that you know, mm-hmm. which is also something I feel like we're dealing with now in 2024. Exactly. You know, all those things they're talking about, even like there's a scene at the end we'll talk about, obviously. But, you know, Uncle Junior was talking to his mother, uh, mm-hmm. t- talking to Olivia and was like, things are changing. Right. I thought we were recession proof. It's so funny hearing the term recession proof <laughs> like here yeah. today and yeah. then like realizing how many times we've heard it in our lives right since that show has come out you know right obviously right. 2008 obviously we thought we were recession proof in 2006 right. seven we weren't right and then you know the pandemic and all these kind of things that we we deal with and, and now like the the right. housing crisis that we're dealing with now and and inflation and everything that that goes along with it and everybody's just waiting for a recession everybody's waiting for the new change we're trying to predict Mm -hmm. what's happening next so watching this show was really striking in that way just kind of seeing how cyclical our kind of political and societal issues that we deal with Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day how they affect us just keep happening you know yeah yeah repeatedly over and over and over over again and especially as uh uh, of male identifying individuals too. A lot of what Tony is kind of grappling with in terms of like his own understanding of his masculinity versus the world's understanding of masculinity, I think is mm-hmm. quite frequently a conversation that is happening a lot, particularly in art and how you present uh, uh, a masculine identifying people and feminine identifying people. It's So yeah. it's like the show is like, even though the show was shot in 99, you know, David Chase had his finger on the pulse of like what we are all what this rapidly changing world in, is going to then have us kind of navigate and deal with you know yeah for for years to come this is the yeah. 25th anniversary which is why we're covering it yeah 20 shout outs to all our 25 year old listeners which i think are three of you <laughs> <laughs> right right shout out to all y'all yeah we're now either going into a, a film school for the year mfa finished it or uh remember talking about this in film school <laughs> in your episodic <laughs> class because you did because you if, if you're listening to this you probably did because you had to because you had yeah, to you know pretty much you had to all right so let's let's kick this off i mean you got an elevator pitch for me Colin? Yeah, yeah, I got an elevator pitch for you. I got it. So we can go ahead and cue the music right here. All right. All right. And I'm going to be, yeah. uh, I'm Scorsese. Scorsese. Scorsese? Just walking, just walking okay. to the elevator with you. Marty, what's up, man? Hey, man. I don't know why you talking <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't think that's how Scorsese talks hey, man. at all. <laughs> I know somebody, uh, I know a good, like, eyebrow person for you, bro, if you need it. You know? No, no. This you is, good? This is my, all right. Yeah, this is my brand at this point got you okay never mind i'm sorry uh i got a show for you though let me let me let me share it with you okay okay all right this is how it goes now you know the gangster genre better than anybody let's be honest right Mm -hmm. you you started it you kind of you started the the pop you didn't start it but you started kind of the modern popular uh uh versions that we've all seen today Mm -hmm. 
so so you know i i got something it's a series though this is this is why it's a little different we haven't really seen a series like that you know what i mean uh-huh. uh so what what you're gonna need with a series you're gonna need a bunch of characters hundreds of stories so what we're gonna do we're gonna use the the gangster genre to explore family and society and masculinity but it's really and in mental health so imagine a mob series about a guy who's the don of new jersey with all this power but he's painfully depressed in fact he's having panic attacks at a very vulnerable time within this family structure where people are the, the sharks are circling him and they're trying to take his, his spot he can't be depressed all right so his his mother and his uncle want him dead He's getting undermined every at every turn, and the only person that he trusts is his wife that he two times. So he has to go to therapy, and he has to do it in a clandestine type of way. So th- this is this is kind of like the foundation of the show. Uh, it's called The Sopranos. The Soprano. I'm sorry, I said Sopranos. I'm not Italian, so I know y'all call it Sopranos. Sopranos. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm a black man. I'm not Italian, so you gotta you gotta just. Um, I just want to apologize. I didn't want to uh, offend you. What you think, Marty? Um, I'm not offended. I'm not offended. That sounds. This better not be a ripoff of my movie, The Goodfellas, is it? No, it is not a ripoff <laughs> of that at all. But it references it heavily. But you know, isn't there a movie coming out called Analyze This at the yeah, very same year? It's supposed to come out three months after you premiere. Oh, that's what, fascinating. What's what are you it about? Do about it? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, we just gonna keep going with it, man. I know it's about another mobster who has to go to therapy, but we're gonna, you know, we're just gonna push through. Isn't that well? Okay, so I'm I'm gonna give you. Well, that sounds like a that sounds like a a, a great idea. Um, and at this time when we're making TV, which is the '90s, I have a good feeling that this is going to flop. So I'll give you five dollars. Okay, cool. I'll take the five as long as we sold the idea. Uh-huh, and yes. you know, you know, I'm gonna send it to because you know we can't put this on cable, basic cable. We gotta uh-huh. go a little prestige with this. How, how about HBO? Think we yeah, can do HBO. We could do HBO. Well, and at the time, I don't think HBO was well now because now's the time. Now, now at this time <laughs> in the '90s, <laughs> bomb. <laughs> Is that '90s slang? Bomb. The bomb. Yeah, yeah, bomb. So now in nineties, now now here in the nineties, HBO it's not it's not quite the the prestige show, the prestige cable network that we all think it's going to be in one point. It's Sweet actually point. kind of like where we dump things. So let's just dump this on HBO because there's no way that this will become a masterpiece of television in which will change the way that people write for television and which film students who are now 25 in 2024 will have to watch ad nauseum <laughs> and study <laughs> and study <laughs> yeah no it's it is crazy though that's a good point though and it, can i bring up a, another weird point yeah about this ahead. about the uh, prestige tv thing so there's a place in um where i'm at in north carolina that you can buy like all it's like a nerd haven it's fucking uh-huh. awesome it's like more than a it's it's a bookstore it's a comic book store you can buy video games you can buy you know, uh, you can buy everything. Funko mm-hmm. Pops galore. All kinds of bullshit. But you can buy, like, box sets, box sets of TV. So we mm-hmm. went over there. I bought, like, all six Alien movies for, like, 12 bucks. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then my wife got uh, Soul Food because that was one of her favorite shows on Showtime. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So she got the first season of Soul Food. And she was like, we just got to watch it. So, all right, cool. So we popped it in. 
and I realized, and this is Showtime. This is a pre- prestige, you know, right? Uh, channel now. Um, I watched that shit, and I was like, "This is just softcore porn," and like, <laughs> <laughs> like literally, it was like, no disrespect to those who really like this show, but it's just it basically what I'm saying is back then Showtime, HBO, all these like pay paid channels mm-hmm. were not like these super prestige PTV places where you're no, watching these super cinematic beautiful shows where the writing is awesome not they're just all, like yeah. places that you could say the F word show titties and like yep. you know this, but the stories were you know basic, basic. at least yeah. Soulful was I'm, you know, yeah. I well, it, but. in fact to the point where like when David Chase from, from what I'm reading when David Chase kind of pitched this David Chase pitched this as, because David Chase didn't want to do TV, and HBO was like, "We need a we need a pitch, we need a pitch." So he wrote this pilot and pitched the show, thinking that HBO would actually be like, "Nah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna go through with this." Like he mm. made a show that was on that was so anti TV, and mm. what's so hilarious about that is that it's now a skeleton of how we look at television. It is it changed completely the art form of creating episodic tv yeah you know? yeah well with that like let's uh let's go ahead and jump into it man um yeah. and into the you know the basic e- episode i'm gonna say espn sorry <laughs> super, super bowl is coming up uh, <laughs> basic episode one show format all right so how do uh how how do this show open what is what is fascinating about well, let's this just, can i just can i just go say ahead. because we're, sure. we're watching so many shows mm-hmm. in 2024 it is and this shouldn't be refreshing, but it is so refreshing to yeah. see a pilot that does not start with a cold open. Yo, that's so such a good point. Because like, and, if this was shot in 2024, it would have yep. start with Tony sitting. It would it would have started actually probably would have started with um, uh, Christopher shooting the guy in the back. Of the exactly, head. dude. You I know? was gonna say the same shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally thinking the same thing. Yeah. And you're right. You're so right. Because it would have been like, ooh, what did? Yeah, you know what? What does this mean? Like, what does here's this the mean? Where are we? Yeah, where are we? Yeah. This a moment of violence to hook us in. Like, this is the. This is the. That's the hook. That's the the. That's the thing that's going to cause people to be like, oh, I'm not going to skip this. I'm going to keep watching. Instead, mm-hmm. we start off with the iconic opening title shot, which we have to say is also the introduction for Tony because it's the very first time we see Tony. Mm-hmm. Of Tony driving through the New Jersey, the Lincoln Tunnel into Jersey, away from New York. And we're seeing all the shots of Tony driving. And we're seeing all the shots of New Jersey with that dope ass needle drop which is now considered the sopranos theme song Mm -hmm. woke up this morning which it's it's in hindsight it's brilliant you know yep would never work in 2024 Mm -hmm. but it is absolutely brilliant in 99 and it and it tells you like now that you you know now that you've done some analyzation you can Mm -hmm. see that this this theme song is telling you well we're talking about tony you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Tony's the one who needs the gun. He was born under a bad sign. You right. know what I mean? Like, he's the one who has the issue. It's literally, it's the backdrop to him driving, like you said, from from driving to New York to Jersey. That's what right. is in his head, you know? Right. Because right. um, he's scared. Like, right. And, to, and, and also, we're also, because this is playing with uh, a genre that has, that at this point in time had been done 
ad, ad nauseum. Like we had, we've had the mm-hmm. Godfather at this point. We had Martin Scorsese stuff at this point. Like gangster movies and gangster filmmaking and gangster uh, fantasy, gangster novelization for Americans is like we're pretty aware. It's of a western. It's a, yeah, western. it's a western at this point. Yeah. You know, yeah. what I mean, and, and and not in the same, not in the format sense, but in the iconic genre sense. Right. Like it's entered the space of be- becoming like a foundational, almost a foundational genre. Right, uh, right. A foundational genre subset, basically. Right. And so what what is awesome that what David Chase does is that he he then turns all those things on their on their head. Completely. You know. We're he's sitting there, he's sitting in a chair staring at a statue of a naked woman, which is also very thematic. Again, we're not saying mm-hmm. anything that your your <laughs> your uh your episodic professor hasn't said before. But right. um it bears repeating that you know, a lot of his what we're going to see in this show is related to his relationship to women mm-hmm. and, and relationship relationships to his own masculinity. Um, and so, but it's just a, what it does also, it grounds us in an understanding that we're going to be watching something that is contemplative and artistic mm-hmm. and creative and thematic more so than shoot him up, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. The story is about, the story, it, this there are stories within this pilot that are about the moves that get made uh, in terms of like the the, the family versus family type mm-hmm. shit. But that's not what the show is about. Right. It's about this one man and getting inside of his head, and that's what this opening scene lets us know. Right, 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 right. And 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 we look at Tony too. Like usually in these shows and these in these movies, it's Robert Downey. It's uh, it's not Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Robert De Niro, Rob, different Robert. It's uh, a yeah. it's Robert De Niro and Robert and Al Pacino. I remember that Robert De Niro and Al Pacino when they were making these gangster movies way way back in their peak were very handsome men. You know what I mean? Like we uh we usually were were our our protagonist is, is handsome and charming and uh lovable or some sort of aspect of them that we gravitate towards we understand why you know um the women that he's attracted to will be attracted to him as well but tony is almost the exact opposite tony is yep. fat and tony and uh, and rest in peace but tony was not all that attractive you know what i mean like mm-hmm. tony like tony is looks slovenly his suits don't necessarily fit him you know what mm-hmm. i mean like and we get and his his attempts at charm through all through this entire pilot are always yeah. rebuffed they're yeah. always and slightly and people look at him slight with slight repulsion you know what mm-hmm. i mean except for the people who really really love him which is Very only few. really his daughter and carmela you know what i mean like and his wife well i'll i'll push back on that one but we can get there we can get yeah, there yeah. with the with the characters but you yeah. know i agree with you there's it's only very few people that really love and respect him and yeah it's it is interesting that you bring up that he doesn't have the traditional at the time leading man looks right you know right, um right. so that would be kind of jarring in 1999 to watch yeah. this big guy kind of lead lead a tv show this is a show it could have been called tony soprano really yeah. i think i thought about ray donovan ray donovan is and, and, and i like ray donovan but it really is kind of a it's a it's basically a Hollywood version of this show. Have you seen right. Ray Donovan? No, I haven't seen Ray Donovan. Yeah, it's a it's a Hollywood version of this, and it's named Ray Donovan because it's mm-hmm. about this one guy. Right. This show is about the, the Sopranos, but it's it's Tony. You know, it's, this yeah. show is about Tony. Yeah, it is. But it, I mean, it, it's also important because I 
I, I would also it is about Tony of course it's about Tony um, but I think that like it is also about the Sopranos as a family because Carmela is is so incredibly important. You true, know what true, I mean? true and, indeed. Um, and Meadow is very important. And Meadow is right very now. important. Um, Christopher is very important. Like very all important. all of these people, and and it is and it is you know when you think about it, it is actually what the Sopranos, the name has done to all of these people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like Tony has that, and we're jumping ahead, but Tony has this that great speech in the church where he's talking about um and maybe we'll cue this he's talking about uh, uh how his grandfather built the built the church and you can mm-hmm. see that like the this is these are this is like second third generation immigrants who are coming over and they're talking about a time they're talking in reverence of the people who came and built their family built their business mm-hmm. you know what i mean and tony's in con- and tony's in constant conflict with that he's in constant mm-hmm. conflict with what is built and his and his uh, feeling of responsibility of maintaining what was built, you know, mm-hmm. that it, it's, it goes back to that same like when Carmela's like, here we go with the nostalgia, you know, uh-huh. he he keeps bringing that up because he wishes that he could have lived in the time of his father yeah. and, and gotten in on the ground floor. And even though he's looking around at this palatial house that he lives in with the pool mm-hmm. and everything, all the trappings that he doesn't he probably doesn't even feel like he deserves because he felt like right. he got it off the back of his father's work right. and his great grandfather who was a stone worker coming from Italy. Right. So he has so much reverence for it and feels like his and at the same time and that scene particularly his daughter has no interest <laughs> in going on this this kind of like memory lane journey or this None. kind of like a reverence of family history she is and this is another thing about screenwriting too they do something really interesting meadow wants they literally have two different wants in that scene and they're mm-hmm. doing two different things plot wise the, the the two stories that we'll talk about when we go, get to the abc stories those are going consecutively they're mm-hmm. going in parallel with each other um at that and that in that particular scene because meadow is talking only about like Mom's so dramatic. I mm-hmm. wish that she would understand me. She didn't even want to come see me, see my game. Isn't that crazy, Dad? And then Dad literally ignores her and says, "Look at this fucking church. It's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Your great great my great great grandfather built this, and, and his mm-hmm. brother. And then you know what I mean. So it's just kind of interesting where we can have one of those moments where we're inside of Tony's head and kind of understanding more about him and, and mm-hmm. his psyche while something else completely different and plot wise another story thread is being kind of woven at the very same time right right and and you were talking about like tony is constantly obsessed with what was about this nostalgia that that brings up and i'm gonna throw out my coldest line right now just just because we're talking about it uh tony says to his therapist uh the morning of the day i got sick i've been thinking it's good to be in something from the ground floor I came too late for that. I know. But lately, I'm getting the feeling that I came in at the end. The best is over. Many Americans, I think, feel that way. I think about my father. He never reached the heights like me. But in a lot of ways, he had it better. He had his people. They had their standards. They had pride. Today, what do we got? Lately, I'm getting the feeling that I came at the end. 
the best was over and then he goes off into this this longer speech about it and in a in such a concise kind of way which i think like having the 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 therapist as a trope because it just what it what it does for you is that it just it allows your it allows your protagonist just to be able like a therapist or a or a preacher or something in which your protagonist can confess to um almost unfiltered or at mm-hmm. least your protagonist thinks that they're being honest they they could be lying you know to themselves and to their into their person that they're confessing but they're under what where you're at least under the illusion that they think that they're telling the truth you can mm-hmm. pro, you can get your protagonist to then speak these like really lovely gems of their soul that then we then latch onto. So now we know that Tony is some of what Tony's uh, depressed by is the fact that he thinks that there was a golden era for him as a person and that he missed it. And he's trying to rebuild that all of those, com- all the conflicts that he has with the younger people in the show are all those conflicts. The issues that he has with Chris is the fact that he feels like there was a time in which people were virtuous and and hardworking and Christopher is not. The issues that he has with Meadow are the same thing. The issues that he has with AJ are the same thing. And you mm-hmm. get all that in that one little line that Tony drops really, really early on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the yeah, all that all that's great. Uh-huh. And one thing I was thinking about there was when we when you were talking about the um the therapy, the therapy as the trope, right? And the therapy as the trope is being used, obviously, is like really smart inf- info and exposition dumps mm-hmm. and also f- using flashback at that time. And then it flips. Right. Like, it, it it flips where all everything we're seeing is a flashback. And then the moment that he kind of, she pushes him about the mm-hmm. ducks one more time mm-hmm. is when we enter the present day. Right. We do come back to her, but I just found it interesting to to kind of flag where that happens in the show. Yeah, you know? yeah, Be, and because it, it the therapy is a trope, but there's also things that are happening within the therapy scenes. The therapist, Doctor Melfi, has a want and a need, and Tony has a want and a need, and so and then they be, they get into conflict. So the 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 show those scenes then have places to go, like. Dr. Melfi presses Tony on something that he's uncomfortable with, so then he gets up and leaves. And then he continues on in the show and then realizes he can't deal with the things that are happening in his life, so then he has to come back. And then the relation then the relationship changes when he comes back again. Exactly. And then we get more info dumps, but then something happens which causes Tony to leave again. And then he finds things are kind of sort of working, so then he comes back. And then he realizes they're not working. It's like it's still it they're info dumps but they're also like the character is changing the character is moving forward down their path towards their objective down their path towards what they want and what they need it's never they're never just saying information just for the sake of saying information right. like a lot of what we watch nowadays will have info dumps and no character development and yeah, i think because the the therapist doesn't matter you and now nowadays they just yeah. use a therapist as a sounding board who has no real character right. motivation whatsoever and no relationship no real relationship with the character right there that they're therapizing or that right. they're trying to help and this one is completely different you really feel like dr melfi is a a, tr- a character that we're going to see 
continuing on we're going to see her outside of the office more Mm -hmm. um we see her a little bit in the pilot but we're going to see her outside of it more so it's not just a sounding board it's not just a vo trick you know uh or you know it's it's not just like uh we're leaning on this to continuously do vo so we can do flashbacks every every episode right that's what and and that's what makes it so brilliant it's it one it, it plays on this it plays on the idea of like strong silent mob bosses who aren't in touch with their feelings you know what i mean going around basically gunning people down it instead we have a mob boss who actually has to sit there in therapy and talk about his vulnerabilities the fact that Delphi, Doc, dr melfi is a woman and all of tony's issues have to deal with women um the fact that when dr melfi shows up tony is staring at a naked statue and then as soon as she appears he's looking at her on almost the exact same way their relationship as we keep going on how it gets pseudo sexual and then it doesn't it becomes antagonistic and then it doesn't like it's just it's the dr melfi tone and i'm sure people have written (laughs) <laughs> fucking books <laughs> you know they have <laughs> about dr melfi and tony but that's like that's the that's the that's what makes this so brilliant is that it's like they're just it's like it's like that um shrek thing when donkey's like you're an onion you got layers yeah, or some shit yeah. <laughs> it's just layers there's so yeah. it's just layers upon layers upon layers upon layers okay so okay when you're talking about things that we can talk about that maybe somebody hasn't but we probably are not going to do that because so much has been said (laughs) one thing i i do want to talk about like specific things that hit me like Mm -hmm. hit me particularly and see if we can talk about that so one thing uh, you know there's always a time when when somebody is in therapy when we're watching on tv somebody's in therapy they don't want to be in therapy they're trying to distract from something right there was a point in which Dr. Melfi says something Tony doesn't want to respond to. And then he looks up at her, uh, her degree, sees her mm-hmm. last name. And then they talk about where they were from. And then mm-hmm. he says, oh, me and my mom would have loved if we got together. And it was almost mm-hmm. like he was trying to like, he thought he was more charming than he was. He almost like yeah. looks at her like he can like break her or like seduce yeah. her a little bit maybe. Yeah. And then she kind of looks at him in the face in the eye like, nah, bro. <laughs> and then he literally like shrinks. She shuts that down. She shuts that with down with no words. Quick with no words. Yeah. And then he yeah. shrinks like, oh shit, my bad. Like, yeah, like it's yeah. not gonna work. And I'm not as good as I thought it was. But I just I thought to to flag that is just a really really great interaction and just some some is so much that you can learn about h- how to do this in our own writing. You know, yeah. How yeah. can we? How can we make those interactions with such little words be so impactful? Yeah. Um, And I think that, like, what's awesome, too, is, like, you got two amazing actors in that case. And who clearly know, like, what the scene is and what needs to happen in order for us to in order for us to get what we want from that. But also what also what's also happening so much in this pilot is that so much information is given to us visually. Mm -hmm. If that was if this was 2024, he would have made that thing and then she would have said something like are you flirting with me or are you this are you that and he would have said something she would have and she probably would have said something like uh you know as a therapist that's not allowed or i cannot engage with this because i'm i'm my profession or something of that matter and Mm -hmm. with this all that is gone it's just he makes a he makes he tries to flirt she shuts it down quickly and then they move on but if Mm -hmm. you weren't watching you would never have gotten that 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's so fast and it's so quick. And it literally is just what what's happening in the eyes for the characters. And mm-hmm. that you have to keep your eyes glued onto the screen. It is a visual medium that the that the creator understands and so we and the and the cinematographer understands and so we have to also engage with it as a visual medium yeah this is no second screen show this is a sit down and watch it in solitude or with (laughs) family because like honestly man like our our attention span is so ridiculous right now you have to you are not going to really get the most out of this show unless you sit down and watch it with your phone down you know what i mean that's just just what it is yes yes um what's also like and i and and we probably should move on past dr melfi and and tony but the other thing that i want to add to that is that because the nature of Dr. Melfi's business and the nature of Tony's business, it also puts them in the conflict. So there's so many avenues in which these two characters are in conflict that kind of then creates tension for the two of them. So all Tony wants and all Tony needs is a place to be honest and vulnerable. He finally mm-hmm. meets somebody in which he can be honest and vulnerable with, and she very quickly also says to him that says like, hey, if you tell me you murder people, I'm going to have to go to the cops. <laughs> so then, <laughs> so then Tony then has to figure out ways in which he can be honest and vulnerable, and yet also not get sent to prison. <laughs> and we see him navigate those things, which then creates yeah. so many different things. It creates moments of comedy. It creates moments of of honest, like like social. Like there's the conversation of whether or not Tony is actually a sociopath or not. Like we mm-hmm. see some, a little glimmers of that. You know what I mean? We we there's some tragic moments in which tony is uh, can't really articulate because he he's gonna get in trouble or he's gonna feel like he's getting in trouble like it just it just creates obstacles for your characters to then fight through which for us as an audience is so so juicy yeah for sure i so i do want to talk about how they introduce characters because i think i think it is fascinating and it does Mm -hmm. put uh it it puts tony at the center Mm-hmm. in the sun position where everybody he meets it just it's about his orbit essentially mm-hmm. where is he you know his his particular that's how you know he's the the kind of foundational piece of this show because right. everybody the, the characters get to introduce to him and to us through him you know mm-hmm. um in his interactions with them so yeah, uh, the opening line where we talk, everybody talks about the ducks again. Like it's, <laughs> you get nervous talking about this show because like there's so many like iconic screenwriter teacher stuff, right. and you don't want to repeat yourself. So you guys gotta you guys gotta work with me because I'm like battling my own desire to not repeat what my professors say. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so you gotta you gotta you gotta forgive me. But in that opening, we we meet. Carmela, we meet Tony, obviously, we meet Dr. Mm-hmm. Melfi, but then we meet Carmela, we meet AJ, his son, we meet Meadow, and then Meadow's little friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of see their family life and how like the kids like disregard their dad. Mm-hmm. Like he's not the towering figure that they all respect and love. They love mm-hmm. him, but they don't look at him like this is the, he's like the mob boss that, you know, he's the mob boss that needs to be respected. And mm-hmm. that kind of like, you know, it's kind of the theme throughout the entire show. He and and you also find like which characters are gonna be 
re really important today in this pilot and then who are going to be more important later on because his capos his his henchmen the his brothers around him his brothers in arms mm -hmm. a lot of them they just show up to say very very few words right. you know right. and you know they're going to be important but they just don't have anything to do in mm -hmm. this particular episode and that just really made me think about as somebody who's writing a crime drama too this one i think this show is probably more of a comp to the show that i'm writing than the other things that i was looking at i was looking at like period dramas that mm -hmm. like boardwalk empire and stuff like that and it just didn't hit the same mm -hmm. but the one i the one i'm writing has so many characters that can't say anything in the pilot but i want mm -hmm. them to so bad mm -hmm. or i want them to have a story but they just can't yet right and right. i need to be patient i think that's what this show does he brings some of these characters into his orbit some of which have really important things to do in the plot and some of them that don't um and so the the writer's really patient and kind of rolling out their importance right 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 right. it's when we get to when we get to the crew uh meeting at, over breakfast it's you 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 see literally everybody that we're gonna then follow for the rest of this for the rest of the season for the rest of mm -hmm. these like five six seasons you know um and like you just like you said some of them are just in the background some of them have like two words to say some of them are just but you you get eyes on them which i think is important um and i i feel the same way i i often feel like okay i need to then if i'm gonna if i know that i'm gonna be we're gonna be following uh silvio then i'm we're gonna need silvio needs to tell their life story like right then and there mm -hmm. you know in, within the pilot and in fact silvio doesn't silvio just does silvio's job because that's what silvio does well you know what i mean and right. i think and i think even when we think about it like i don't think silvio ever has a moment where silvio's like this is what I do. <laughs> no, no. And and that's, you know what? There's one character that I really love because I'm a Godfather fan too. And my, one of my favorite characters is Roberto Clemenza. Mm -hmm. And Robo Roberto Clemenza, and it's been said on another podcast, which, which again, the reason why it's kind of hard to do this, but uh, there's a great podcast with uh, David Koppelman. He talks about the Godfather all the fucking time. He loves it. Uh, but Roberto Clemenza, which you, in, in the Godfather, he reveals things about himself and his interest through his dialogue and his interactions mm. with um, with Michael. And he talks about the world World War One, like mm -hmm. he has a super interest in World War One, and he kind of mentions that a couple times. Mm -hmm. Big Pussy's like that too. Uh, Big Pussy right. is reading the newspaper all the time. He's bringing up like current events. He's talking about certain things, and that's like, and he's also um, a trusted, loyal. I think he really loves Tony too. Yeah. And if he doesn't love Tony, he respects his position more right. than Chris does. So like when in that great scene where they're trying to dump the body, he's like and and, and Chris is like, you know, what if what if uh, uh Tony has a disability or what if Tony is disabled or something like mm -hmm. he's like, Why would you even ask that? Yep. Like just showing like how loyal he is to the, the game, you know. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, I love that character. I just love that I know who that guy is only from a few scenes, only from a few lines. I know his loyalty. I know he has what his interests are. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, he doesn't have to sit there and tell me his whole life story. We don't have need a back flashback about how him and Tony met. None of this, right? Well, even and Tony even says it. I mean, when they're in the they're having a meeting, um, and we find out that Junior wants to kill uh, another pussy. Uh, and Tony's like, Tony's like, no, 
my pussy? No, no one's yeah. gonna touch my pussy. Like, like we, you think we, he will fuck with me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So we know that Tony. To, we we hear that Tony. We see so much that Tony and Big Pussy are so so connected all the time, and mm-hmm. it's and it's in these like tiny. It's in these lines that are happening within scenes that have nothing to do with that relationship, no. and yet it's we just get to, plot. It, it's yes. just plot. It's so it's just it, plot. Because the and the plot is are, dense, mind you. Sorry, oh yeah, I decided to cut you off. But the no, plot no, is dense. So yeah, no, I'm just saying that like you're you're right. This one line where they're doing something completely again, the same the same thing. We're we're taking our daughter from from volleyball practice. Mm-hmm. And then as we're going there, we see a church and she's telling us about something, but I need to get this out. It's just right. it's burning on my mind. While me and my my crew are doing something else and somebody miss represents another character and i need to correct them because nobody's gonna fuck with my big pussy that's my that's my guy yeah. you think you think junior would do that again that's another thing about he's he's reacting to the idea that junior would try to undermine him especially right. in that way right. so or even or even when him and junior have an argument junior's his uncle <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once again, this is not a recap show. We 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 we're just talking. <laughs> just so you know. Just so you know. So if you came here to, for us to recap Sopranos, there are plenty of podcasts that'll mm-hmm. do that for you. Um, but you know when Junior, him and Junior have an argument, and Junior says like, "How many baseball games did I take you to?" Like Tony, like we have a therapist trope. So Tony could have sat there in therapy and been like, "My uncle Junior took me to a lot of baseball games." But it's so much more powerful when a character delivers exposition in an effort to get the character to do something for them. Like mm-hmm. Junior wants Tony to be on his side. So what does Junior do? Junior reminds Tony that he used to take him to to baseball games rather than Junior just saying giving us an info dump kind of randomly. Like yeah, it's it's that's what makes this a mess. That's why we should study this because that's how you tell stories. Yeah, and, and at the risk of continue or trying to do a recap show on it, I would jump us back on track. You tell me if you have any reservations, but I was going to jump into the ABC stories if you're ready. No, I think there's before we do that, we have to talk about Christopher because Christopher's introduction is is a oh, little different. Yeah. Which yes, I think is yes. important. And then we also have to talk about how. Uh, Tony's mother gets introduced. Yes, for sure, for sure, for yes, sure. Both of those are very, very important. Yeah, yeah. What you got? What you got on Christopher? Well, Chris, I mean, like we get Christopher is driving uh, uh, Tony with the introduction, uh, with his introduction. Um, what's really, uh, as I said before, what's really important, I think, about Christopher's relationship to Tony is the fact that like, Christopher is a generation below Tony, and Christopher is everything that Tony sees as the problem within what's in what's going in america like what's going wrong you know what i mean like christopher is entitled christopher doesn't like to work hard christopher but also christopher has things where like christopher sets boundaries in a weird way christopher tries to have a work-life balance in (laughs) in a weird way like you know what i mean like christopher's like yeah i had a stomach ache my mom told me i shouldn't even show up today because christopher views what he does as work and tony views what he does as like family it's so their relationship to it is completely different you know what i mean um but then again and but then again also christopher works out of his means he buys a fucking lexus and tony's like he can't afford a fucking lexus he's not a made man yet you know it's so that's uh, i it 
what's that's what's really great about how christopher is introduced but it's also really awesome too is like as christopher is driving tony christopher the tony is reading the the encyclopedia (laughs) book you know what i mean the The autobahn so he so Tony's like reading the Audubon book with birds. And so even still, like you can still see Tony's obsession with the birds, but mm-hmm. he still has a job to do. And so he's getting frustrated with Chris because every time Tony says something, Christopher interrupts him, which interrupts his Tony's ability to study birds. Just good. And, story, it's, and it's undermining him and, yeah. and it's undermining him. And he's supposed to be like, I think about when I think about Christopher, I think about like being like an older cousin to Meadow, which is kind of weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, even, you, you know, it's just kind of a weird dynamic where you have to, yeah, that has to be somebody that you work with, but your daughter talks to him like a kid. It's kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But also, that Lexus, $60,000 for that goddamn Lexus? Jesus Christ. I mean, it was 1999. It was but, 1999, yes. Uh, and it that's was a lot nice. of fuck. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot of money. Especially in nineties in ninety nine, Jesus <laughs> for that Lexus, Lexus man, y'all, wow, I didn't know the fucking scam, Lexus is a scam. <laughs> and then the last, um, the last person that we need to talk about their oh introduction. I mean, like we're gonna skip Junior's introduction because I, even though for sake of time, um, but we, you have to flag Tony's mother, mother, Olivia, uh, Olivia, Olivia. Olivia, 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 you know, I love that. I love that shortened version of Olivia too. I never heard that one before. Olivia. Yeah, it's not. It's a nice. I like it. Um, But after we, after I watched, like I, this, I can't name my daughter that because like she, like (laughs) she's terrible, the worst mother. God, oh my god. And I'm not gonna lie to you. This might be too much information, but some of that, some of those interactions with uh, Tony and his mom were so triggering for me personally. I've had so many. Not maybe not at that extreme level, but those interactions with your mom where she doesn't want to regard you as an adult yet, yep. she doesn't want to fully respect you when she probably should. Like yeah. you're, it's oh man, they were they were hitting them things. <laughs> those were I, hitting. I know I know exactly what you mean. Like like watching their interactions, I'm like I've seen those interactions happen. I've you know what I mean. I've not quite because my mother listens to the show, so I'm not. Well, I didn't like. <laughs> We actually, we're actually, to it. we're actually giving my mom recommendations of things to watch. So this is actually pretty dope. Uh, yeah, she actually <laughs> really likes this show. Shout out to Elijah's mom. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Um, but you know, it 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 can be it, there. There's so much truth to um, that relationship between a mother and a son. You know what I mean? Especially an an, an aging mother, the way that Livia is aging, and the and Tony. And there's so much resentment that Tony has towards his mother, and yet he still loves his mom, and he still wants to take care of his mom. But then he also has to do certain things. Like, he shows up to her house not to take care of her. He shows up to her house because Junior is trying to kill somebody in Artie's restaurant, and he knows that Livia is the only one who can talk to Junior. Right. So he another shows plot, a, another plot device, another plot device, weaving in story and weaving in uh, character development all through that. Yeah. So we get Tony, we get Tony's relationship to his mother, we get uh, uh, his mother's relationship to his father. We mm-hmm. get, we also get like it's a lot of the conflict. I remember when he says, she says, uh, Junior always knows what he's doing, and then Tony goes, Oh, I don't, and she looks at him. The way that the actress looks at Tony and rolls her eyes and says, I think she says something like, well, it's like, oh, my God, like you, you, 
not you can see that like nobody thinks he's doing a good job. Nobody mm-hmm. of that older generation is thinks Tony is doing a good job, which then is just makes Tony so utterly pissed and so utterly like resentful and like and anxious and anxious, and anxious. Yeah, because he yeah. can't he can't rely if you can't rely on your two closest immediate family members to have your back, then who the fuck can you? Who who can you? It's right. like everybody, all his closest family members. To undermine him and don't believe he's doing a good job. Everybody, right. all his 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 uh, his henchmen, if you want to call it, his crew members, those are the guys who are loyal to him. But his family members are the ones who are like, yeah, I don't know about that Tony guy. He's yeah. not doing such a great ad. and like, how anxious would you be in that yeah. world when your family like wants to kill you? Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> because terrifying. they do. They it's do, and, and he knows that. Like all these people are all family members. They're all cousins. They're all uncles. They're all distant cousins. And so, yeah. like when they're talking about, like, "Oh, I'm gonna kill this dude," they're they're talking about, "I'm gonna kill somebody that shows up to my my son's birthday party." You know what I mean? Like, it, and yeah, and what kind of what's great about the Sopranos is like what what does that kind of create? You know what I mean? We keep arguing that like is Tony a, a sociopath, and we're like he kind of has to be. He kind of has to be devoted of his emotions because you can't like kill your family members on such a constant basis and be a normal sane person. And what I love about that scene, too, with the the introduction of his mother, where he comes to see his mom, they talk about the the, the nursing home thing. That, but he's he's bringing her. There's another thematic thing that's happening, too. Right. So he's in. And we talked about, like, what can we make our characters do physically in the space mm-hmm. while they're having conversations? So we talked about the fact that this is a plot driven conversation uh this is a character development conversation but there's also a thematic element having coming in where he's bringing a modern piece of technology not to our eyes Mm -hmm. (laughs) but a modern piece of technology uh, to share with his mother that she did not ask for but um it's uh a cd player and he's like hey mom don't you want this nice cd player like all your favorite stuff is on it and she's like i don't want it you know (laughs) I don't want it. And it's again, it's again, that theme of that, like rejection of the new, you know, mm-hmm. um, and even says it, he says a great line where he's like, yeah, and I bought a CD player for a broken record, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, before he leaves and he's all frustrated. So it was just a great, and uh, that scene particularly was one of my favorites because of everything that it's doing within. Right, right, right. I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and, and we, and and for as much as Tony is nostalgic for the past, we realize he also is craving some of the trappings of the future. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He loves his he loves his CD player. He loves his TV. You know, even though he watches a lot of like golden age television or golden age movies, on he's the still laser disc on laser disc. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like on the he watches the past in the finest of the future. You know. Right. And he's also he's a he's he's a man who loves what's it uh, uh Gary Cooper is that Gary the guy? Cooper yeah. yeah he loves Gary Cooper because of the strong silent type and yet he's also in therapy in an effort to like express his feelings. But he makes a good point too when he talks about Gary Cooper, which I thought was funny. Where he was like, you know, if they ever got Gary Cooper, the the strong silent type, it's almost him acknowledging that that the hypermasculine is now. Nah, I'm not going to use the toxic term, but I'll say it's it's unhelpful mm-hmm. um to to actually you know feeling your emotions he was like gary cooper the strong silent type because if they know if he ever actually opened up they would never shut the fuck up like he'd never <laughs> shut up 
<laughs> Nobody wants to hear Gary Cooper's feelings because if he ever opened his mouth, then he would never stop, you know, because right, right. he's gone through so much, you know, right. that's, and he's talking about himself, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. He, you know, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Let's, uh, so let's get, let's get into those ABCs that we, I'm, I'm excited that we, about this uh, one. teased, that we teased and then I, I circumvented You us. shut down? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm glad you did because I really did want to talk about the those two characters particularly. They were super important. We needed to do that. I'm just super excited about the ABC stories because we didn't get a lot into story yet. Yeah. Um, related to this show, we talked a lot about character, which why how could you not? But right. there's so many interesting story things that are happening because like the plot is important, but not as important as what we talked about up to right. this point. Right. Um so yeah, I want to hear yours. Unless you want me to do mine first. No, I'll, because you did the uh, elevator pitch, I'll do mine. Um, but this also is is also good because I still am confused about ABCs and versus runners. Um, and, yes. and so, like, and this plot is... So, we've done shows that are as long as this show. That have had literally just a single A story. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe a tiny B story that's kind of crop... crop uh, that's kind of like grown out of the uh, a story mm-hmm. i i was like i saw at least five maybe six i got I'm, four you got, I got four, four. Okay. but I, so yeah i want to hear especially if you say you have i know I'm, i know people that have had six with this too okay um so, yeah. so my a story is uh uh, and which is also a little bit of my log line of what the pilot is, is mm-hmm. that when Tony passes out at his son's birthday party, he goes into therapy to figure out why he's having these panic attacks. Subsequently, mm-hmm. talking to the therapist and his medication causes the panic attacks to subside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said I, I just shortened it. You know, I try I, I'm trying to with the ABC stories, I'm trying to catch everything in the shortest amount mm-hmm. of words so i just said after several panic attacks tony seeks the help of a therapist in secret yeah great all right what you got for b uh b uh when tony's uncle jr wants to kill a rival at tony's best friend's restaurant tony burns a re- tony burns the restaurant to the ground to keep that from happening that also kind of my problem with that too is it kind of ignores the fact that like tony does three other things like he goes and talks to his mother he tries to give Artie the the tickets and i think he tries to do one other thing before he burns the restaurant to the yeah, ground but yeah. that falls under the same thing you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. it's all an attempt to do like i i had though my that was actually kind of my c but the b and the c to me were like interchangeable mm-hmm. but uh i'll just say my c the same one that you did um mm-hmm. i said tony I'm not sure how much I like this one either, but it said, basically is Tony finds a way to save Artie's business by destroying it. Um, yes. But I like that so much better because that therein lies the the irony of what Tony's doing. Yeah, Tony, and he finds a way is like suggesting all those three things that you were saying. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. We don't have to say all, every single one. It's just I don't know if I like that, but it just it does cover some of it, you know. Yeah, and it's but it's what's awesome about that is like he's trying he in an attempt to save the business because his big his biggest fear is that if Junior kills this guy in Artie's restaurant, then no one's gonna come to Artie's restaurant anymore. Which I love and, also because <laughs> like it's not about like 
don't kill him. It's just like, don't kill him there. In the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, just and don't Junior- kill him at my buddy's place. You can kill him anywhere, but just not there. And Junior's issue Junior's issue is like, I'm going to kill him in that restaurant. And he's like, Because I okay. want to. Because I want to. And <laughs> Tony's like, you could do that. Just don't do it in my buddy's restaurant. And so Tony's big solution is like, all right, we'll just burn the restaurant to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious, really. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Like, that and story also- is funny as hell. And what's also so great about that is that it, the literal shot that happens before he burns the restaurant is Tony is Tony having this, the speech to Meadow about building, yes. and, it, and and he says yes. the last the last line he says right before that right before he blows up the restaurant is, "Go find me two guys who can put grout into a, a in in a tub or something like that." Yeah, yeah, you know. And then and you have all these shots of all the things that are built, and then. Quick cut, uh, Sylvia blowing up the restaurant. Then quick cut, Tony. I feel good in, exactly. in the therapy. <laughs> yes, that's what, yeah. I'm glad, so glad you brought that up too, because there's so many great transitions. Oh yeah, scene to scene transitions. That I, I that's one that I, I was gonna bring up, but I forgot, and I'm glad you did. Um, but I'll bring up another one too that I really like. There's three consecutive scenes I love. Love. They're more visual though. Okay. Um, uh, do. So, oh, okay. So, C story. Uh, my C story is um, uh, uh, Meadow and Carmela's relationship dissolves uh as Carmela catches Meadow sneaking out and proceeds to punish her. Mm-hmm. I had that. That one was my D. I did um, my C story was C slash B was Tony again finds a way, which I would. I don't like that I said that twice, but Tony finds a way to settle Mahaffey's, I think, Mahaffey's mm-hmm. debt uh, with Hesh and himself. Like, he, he finds a solution to help Mahaffey settle his debt with Hesh and himself. Yeah, and, and, and I'm curious about that, too, because then that becomes so intertwined with what's happening with the garbage and the chats stuff. So Yeah, that one know. I did not cover the the there, that is another story though for sure yeah but yeah my d i did carmelo and meadow feud as carmelo bars her from the aspen trip right 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 and then my other one is just like 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 i said um as the chech are interfering on tony's charge uh tony uh christopher decides to kill one of them uh which then causes little pussy to then reprimand him for the killing and all that is solved once Tony gets the the HMO guy. He solves the HMO guy's unpaid debts, which gives them another monetary stream. This is so complicated. Gives another no. monetary stream, yeah. And so they don't have to rely on garbage as much. Okay, yeah, that that's a good way to tie it in. <laughs> no, I didn't think about tying those two stories in, but you're right. He yeah. that was a result. The getting the debt settled was a solution that was designed to help the issue but also chris helped that chris he he did something out of school like he did something out of turn and unilaterally but it actually worked they did they did pull their uh their bid for that garbage so it actually solved itself he he actually did solve it by killing him well and that's that's my i guess if i were to critique this pilot at all um it would be like the fact that like that happened so quickly i think the guy drives up and says like hey they they pulled off their bid oh and already wants to see you and then drives away and you're just like true 
you're like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what happened? You yep. know what I mean? It's blink True. and you miss it kind of. Yeah, and yeah. it's too important to be that quick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. But yeah, you- I think that is an extra story that I missed. Nice. Do you want to talk about those three scenes and then we'll go to a break? Yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked there was a scene where <laughs> it's actually a really great line, too. But when uh, I love Artie, I love Artie Buco and I love Artie Buco's wife so much. <laughs> Artie Buco's wife is like my type. <laughs> I like personality wise. You know, she's strong. She's super smart. Clearly, she uh-huh. only has one line and she has one like really harsh look when Artie and um and tony like embrace at the at the uh-huh. uh, at the um restaurant and she just looks like motherfucker i hate this like i don't want these gangsters in my around my family right right so then she she tells him <laughs> she tells him like Artie's like we can get away when's the last time we got on vacation she's like are you so are you an idiot like we do not need to be connected to these mobsters and basically he's like she says this funny line which i thought but she says um somebody donated their kneecaps for these tickets which is hilarious okay <laughs> and then right after that right after the, we see the, uh, she says somebody donated their kneecaps we see mahaffey walking with his knee in a brace <laughs> with uh hesh oh yeah and, uh, yeah yeah on on the bridge on the bridge and big pussy and big pussy also delivers a really funny line in that scene too um yeah where he says um he says the prozac line where he goes like oh yeah prozac keep his uh keeps my gambling debts he goes (laughs) he's like lucky for you (laughs) yeah what a shame they come they come up with a drug that something bad happens as soon as you like yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. i butchered that one (laughs) no that's cool we'll throw it up there Uh, but oh, yeah, but then also great... you also have that great. Um, would you like to take a, a walk on the rocks? It's, it's so nice. <laughs> it's, it's like, hey, you want to take a walk on the ro- rocks? Oh uh, no, the brace, man. I can't do it. The brace. I do it just to think sometimes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then he throws his out. ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he throws his ice cream over the bridge, and we see how far it is. And he's like, you know what? I believe I can do that. That idea <laughs> that y'all had. You know what? I think I can do that. Let's do that. Let's do that mm-hmm. idea. I like y'all's idea. Let's do that. Yeah, but also <laughs> the ice cream pull- chuck pulls away. Like, oh yeah, and the kid rides rides off on the bike like uh-huh. nobody's around. Like they literally paid that ice cream truck dude <laughs> to and leave right after. Yeah, yeah, and the kid. Yeah. yeah. So then they pull out right after that. They so those are the consecutive scenes. So like somebody donated their kneecaps. Then we show a kneecap broken. Then mm-hmm. they're on the bridge. They pull back and they show the bridge like a wide of the bridge. And mm-hmm. then the next scene is a wide of the bridge that Tony is playing golf right up underneath before he talks to Artie again. So they do those really, really cool kind of visual transitions that just kind of like snappy visual keep it visually interesting and just let you know, like the directors, David Chase has got his finger on. He's got, he, you know, he, he's got it. He's got it. He's, he's doing something here. Yeah, absolutely. 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 And shout out to the cinematographer. Cause you know, like, we go back to the we go back to the introduction of the crew like the low the low high angles that they're all shot at like you know what i mean the the way each one the way they frame each person you know what i mean and how mm-hmm. tony sits in the center of the frame he sits alone even though people are surrounding him you know um the way that silvio has the the cables crossing where his head is at it's just like all of it is just like beautifully beautifully shot and so symbolic of each character that we're that we're talking about Mm -hmm. you know christopher in the back 
You know, Tony's got that great line where Christopher's like, I can handle it. And Tony's like, oh, is your is your stomach feeling okay? Are <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sure one. you can? Is your stomach yeah. okay? Like, it's just, uh, it's such a, it's such a great 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 piece all right mm-hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break then we'll get into our segments and we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up i got a feeling that we're gonna come back to this pilot though i got a feeling we might do a part two of this at some point yeah later on down the road after we've learned some more about screenwriting and we can kind of come back at this with what we've learned because there's so much to this there's pilot. so much more to talk about yeah yeah for sure all right All right, and we're back. Okay, so after the break, we always get into our segments. Uh, this has been a great episode. I really, really enjoyed watching this mm-hmm. multiple times, writing the notes, getting into it, getting inspired, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah but we're too. definitely going to have to come back. We're going to have to come back to this one, yeah. for sure. Yeah, definitely. But with that said, get into those segments. Let's talk about our coldest lines. I have several. Again, I kind of like doing multiples um i don't know you've already talked about yours but i mean we also did bring up some really funny ones too but yeah we pull up some kind of talking ones. about it yeah but i'll just go through mine all right so mine one of them is when he is in his his therapy session with dr melfi and um she, when she's like well with today's pharmacology no one needs to suffer with feelings of exhaustion and depression here we go. Here comes the Prozac. Nobody has to suffer. You, you don't have to suffer anymore with the pharmacology. And then he goes, here we go. Here comes the Prozac. It's just fun. <laughs> um, so, and yep, uh, and he starts taking that Prozac. <laughs> yeah. The next one, again, is from the therapy session. And then he says, Do you have any qualms about how you actually make a living? Yeah. I find I have to be the sad clown, laughing on the outside, crying on the inside. See, things are trending downward. Yeah, nowadays I feel like a sad clown. Yes. You know, smiling on the outside, crying on the inside. Yes, yes, yes. It's just, just devastating. Line. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, but also like the, you know, the uh, yeah, and the irony of, of that whole thing and like how he treats the men in his life and the women in his life when he's when he's exposed to emotion versus mm-hmm. like what he says he purports that he wants yeah yeah mm-hmm. and uh i love this line too this is from hesh another character i really like the the jewish uh mm-hmm. friend of, of tony's yeah. dad and he's like the lawyer accountant something like, i can't somebody something i don't know <laughs> i like that guy a lot i just like i just like that character um but anyway they're in the strip club and he tells him Hesh is I like Hesh because Hesh is also loyal to Tony mm-hmm. and is talking out of school really he's a so uh, your uncle resents that you're the boss sadness accrues your uncle's had a hard on his whole life first against your father his younger brother because he was a made man before him and now you so sure he can't stomach you're telling him what to do Hesh I love the man man is driven in total by his insecurities i feel bad i was the messenger your uncle doesn't think you're doing a good job mm-hmm. you know what i mean he tells him that straight up to his face and then you see silvio is there too he's like i hate to be the messenger you know i hate to be the messenger on that one too so it shows that both of them 
all on Tony's side. So we right. have, we have at least a couple people who are gonna have his back, you know. Right, 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 right. Uh, but he says something about Uncle Junior, and he says the man is driven in total by his insecurities. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really insightful thing to say mm-hmm. in a strip club one and then also to <laughs> to tony and it was just like it's just a great line yeah. um and it's true for everybody <laughs> yeah yeah no <laughs> it's true it's, it's 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 also true for when you're writing character characters exactly. is characters driven by their insecurities i had an acting teacher tell me once that like you speak from your strengths you listen through your weaknesses mm you know so like as you're a character you know a character when a character is doing something they're going to lead with what they're strong at with what they naturally do however when they hear things from other people it's immediately going to hit the things that they feel vulnerable mm. um yeah 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 i like yeah. that great all right so i got two more <laughs> yeah i mean, I mean we can't can we just say the whole damn episode is a cold they're so line? good i mean there's so many good ones but i just love the uh when tony says you have strong feelings about this. Let me tell you something. I had a semester and a half of college, so I understand Freud. I understand therapy as a concept, but in my world, it does not go down. I had a semester and a half of college. I know Freud. <laughs> you know, like he's it's like he wants people to know. He's like, I'm not no dummy. Like I understand this, but you know, he's ignorant as hell. Now, nowadays, nowadays it'd be like, yeah, I watched that one YouTube on Freud. Right. Right. <laughs> I listened to a other, podcast on exactly, Freud. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and then the last one I've already mentioned, but it was like... It's bad enough that these mobsters still come in and patronize the place, okay? But so what? We're not connected. Right, because we just turned down those tickets. But the tickets were comps. Tony is a labor leader. Arthur, please, grow up. Does the mind not rebel in any possible scenario under which dentist is sending the Don of New Jersey first class on a Norwegian steamship? Come on, Arthur. Somebody donated their kneecaps for those tickets. Somebody, somebody donated their kneecaps for those tickets. Just, mm-hmm. just brilliant and funny. Uh, yeah, so those are my coldest lines. We'll throw them up there. Those are great. Those are great. I got a question for you. So here's my question, right? So mm-hmm. um, in if this was written and premiered in 2008 would there have been a black keys needle drop <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and wh- what song what black Keys song would would a needle dropped oh oh, oh. I got a little, that's just the first thing that came. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm a man. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a lonely I'm a lonely boy. boy. Yes, lonely, lonely boy. boy. Yeah. Yes, lonely boy. Because Tony's lonely boy. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. I get uh, like I also I love the needle drops in this great needle drop with Manish Boy and Christopher, and it looks like Christopher is actually listening to that song, which is equally doubles down the fact and he's doing like what karate when he's listening yeah. to that song, mm-hmm. which then Before doubles down the fact <laughs> yeah, that fact that like. Chris is just a beta, like <laughs> a beta, I, beta psychopath. Yeah, betas, and I hate and I hate using that term beta alpha. Like I yeah. think I don't I don't I don't agree with those terms. But in in 1999, like we were still thinking of masculinity and alpha beta kind of mentality, and you know. All right, so uh, since you did your coldest lines, I, I had mine. We're gonna let's go to Steph Curry, our Steph Curry Award yeah. slash our uh, Serena Williams Award that we give to the uh, department. Can we can we find a basketball player though? Is there like, is there a woman basketball player that you know? Yeah, there's plenty. Are you kidding Ooh, me? I don't know the WNBA that well, so I, I don't mean, know the NBA that well. I don't know there's... sports. 
<laughs> I mean, we start saying Serena, but it's like about the person who couldn't miss. You know what I mean? So it has to be basketball related. All right, right. So who would it be? Steph Curry. I'm just gonna say Caitlin Clark right now. Caitlin, but she's a college basketball player. But she she's cold. She can't miss. Huh? She can't miss. She can't miss. I'll just say okay. Kate. But she's white. Is that okay? That's fine. It's not the it's not the blackity black ward. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the Juneteenth award. <laughs> that's the Juneteenth award, yes. Oh, my bad. Uh, we'll just name her Caitlin Clark for now. Okay, so the for Steph we'll Curry slash Caitlin Clark award. Uh, I'm giving it to Eddie Flacco. Uh, I think, I like look, 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 we're going to, you, you're going to talk about, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? James Gandolfini. You're going to talk about James Gandolfini. People have talked about James Gandolfini ad nauseum. I was going to say Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost the same amount of syllables, to be honest. That's what, and they both start with a G. Um, people have talked about Galifianakis and his performance at nauseum. I mean, he is utterly brilliant. It's there's a wonderful uh, uh, YouTube. I think it's Nerd Writer who does a whole breakdown of like his acting. So we'll probably put that in the show notes as well, um, in addition to the other podcasts that we referenced. Um, but I got to give it to Eddie Flacco because like. Eddie Flacco is playing so much nuance in this that I think goes underappreciated. The fact that like she fiercely loves her husband, but she's clearly traumatized. She loves the work that she's conflicted about the lifestyle that she's living, and yet she wants she can't deal with it anymore. She is immensely attracted to the priest, and yet because she's uh, a Catholic, it that's all in conflict, and she's afraid of going to hell. Like, she has that great... Here's another coldest line where um, uh, Tony's at, is in the MRI and he's, like, talking about where he's going to go and she's like, you're going you're going to hell, unlike me. <laughs> she's yeah. being slid into the MRI to see if he has a tumor or not. Yeah. <laughs> and yet she yells at him and yet as he's sliding into it, she's, like, clinging to his arm and clinging to his hand. Uh, she places the the when they're having a conversation in the restaurant and then she places and he's like tony's like oh, i have something to confess and she places a uh her wine glass near him and she, he goes why are you doing that she goes so i can be better prepared to throw it in your face yeah. <laughs> like yeah. i don't know eddie flacco and as the season goes on she continues just to become more and more nuanced and more and more um uh, stunning as as a performer so that's my that's my Steph Curry. That's my Caitlin Clark Steph Curry award. Okay, I like it. I just went basic and gave it to James Gandolfini. I was really. Um, it's not basic. I, he's brilliant. No, he's brilliant. But I was really thinking about also giving it to, and I didn't look at the actor's name. It's just why I just gave it to James Gandolfini. But the actor that played Big Pussy because I just liked. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a uh, Vincent. Uh... <laughs> We're gonna Look do better you. research. <laughs> get you. Cut that. We'll, we'll we got cut the that. internet. We got the we're... internet right here. But it's too, whatever. It's too late. Anyway, I like that. I like that actor too. But I gave it to James Gandolfini. Just, just great. Nice. I don't need to say anything more. Uh, all right. So let's get into the Juneteenth Award. I love this award, and I love this award for this particular episode of TV. And honestly, I'm just gonna go ahead and say mine uh, because I only saw one black person on the show. Yep. You know, the Juneteenth Award is a is a is a piece of blackness that put, sometimes it pushes the culture forward. But if, in in uh, the absence of a uh, piece of blackness that's pushing the culture forward, we can add just pretty much any old black person that we find up on the screen. And unfortunately, that's what we have to do right here. And I, I will say this honestly: this is not a black character. 
because he could be anything. He could mm-hmm. be any goddamn thing. But the character I'm talking about is the MRI technician. <laughs> he's a black man, but he's not a black character. This might be the whitest show we've ever done. And that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> I've been holding that one in. <laughs> I'm just saying. It is. I know. I know. This is probably the widest show and we've done a show about lawyers in fucking manhattan and yeah they even managed to have like one or two a main character that's main character that black. but like i and but this is my thing about this show that i don't that i don't uh that i actually i, I actually don't mind and and i low-key prefer these these are also people who are fiercely racist mm-hmm. like that's the thing about Tony. Tony is not a good person. Tony's a racist and a misogynist. And and we have to look at the world that he lives in through his eyes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't make sense if like if they're sitting at um at that coffee sh- if they're sitting at that that breakfast spot and then all of a sudden like Dante shows up and they're like, "Oh yeah, my good friend Dante." <laughs> <laughs> or Dante says, "Hey, did you get that thing handled?" And he's like, "Not yet, Dante. I'll do it later." Yeah, <laughs> and then he goes walking off down. <laughs> like, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like they 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 spend time. There's a whole episode where they blame uh, 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 imaginary black people on a on a on a hijacking as a way to like get rid as a way to like get rid of something. You know what I mean? Like the these are yeah. racist people, and they would not have people of color in their orbit. They just wouldn't. And so we and so when you if you try to shoehorn shoehorn that in, it just it does the the story a disservice. You know, it feels inauthentic. Yeah. But I'll say like at least, oh, come on, man, we're in Jersey. You're telling me in the places that they're at, there are no black people around, and maybe yeah, you can speak absolutely. to it better. Yeah, yeah, no, maybe you absolutely. can speak to it better than me. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You like that's the thing about being up north. Like, oftentimes it can be the most segregated places in the country. Like. Staten Island is insane. This Staten Island is in Jersey, but Staten Island, especially in the '90s, was insanely segregated. And so, like, there was literally a white side of the island and a black side of the island. And if you were black and you were on the white side of the island, you would have gotten your ass kicked. You know what I mean? Same thing in Jersey. Like, they, you, these people can go their entire day and not see a black person. You know, even in even in New York. You can New York is insanely segregated. You can go like people can go their entire day and not have to interact with a person of color if they choose to. You mm. know what I mean? With the exception of someone who's serving them something. Like they can do that here up north. Like right. you know what I mean? That's what that was the interesting thing about living in the South when we you and me were hanging out. I was like I was like, Yeah, like there was a lot of racism in the South, but like I would there, I have felt some oftentimes more uncomfortable here in the north than I have mm-hmm. in the south. You know, you I, mean? know I really appreciate you saying that, Elijah. I would say, <laughs> I just remember at my wedding in Savannah, and you were you were standing there and you were looking around, and it was a uh, my wedding was a little ratchet affair. I'm gonna be honest with you. It was we a, it was a very <laughs> got wasted. I have I have one of my best stories from that wedding. Yeah. But uh, but that's a, that's a topic for yeah. a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember. But it was a very black event. This was, was put it like that. And I remember you looking around. You saying you're like, man, I haven't been around this many black people in so long. And it's just been so. This is so beautiful. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. That's why I love the South. But that's another story. Yeah, another, another story. story. So my my Juneteenth goes to the other black person, which is the little boy riding the bike. <laughs> 
who clearly got paid off to like to like leave as they threatened to kill this dude. Get a frosty um, freeze and leave. That's it. Yeah, Twenty yeah. bucks. <laughs> so my so my award goes to him. And I and 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 I also got to say like look I I appreciate these representations of blackness more than like say. Um, another show that we did right before this <laughs> cough cough in which like all the black people were there just to antagonize this poor <laughs> this poor short white presenting uh, Latin woman <laughs> no ran over, her, ran over her scorpion cut her with a, a sword right. and also like try to beat the shit out of her for doing nothing but drinking coffee like God, i appreciate so me. good that's such a good point <laughs> all of them did that they were all mean all mean it's meanies <laughs> no i like the little the little kid on the bike I, that was a black kid you know what I mean? that a was a black kid. character if you want to call him a character that was yeah. a black character Cause that's what you yeah. would, yeah. Cause he like he looking at these, cause he knows they're mobsters. He lives yeah. in Jersey, so he's like, oh, these are fucking mobsters. Oh, they're gonna yeah. kill this dude. Yeah, that's Get a black fuck. kid. Now the MRI guy he could be anybody, literally. <laughs> he did not have to be black. He could have been anything. But that so little they, kid kind of had to be black. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and so they hired some kid fresh out of NYU to play yeah. the MRI guy. Yeah, and say <laughs> one line. <sighs> awesome. Anyway, um, <laughs> all right. So story threats. Yeah, story threads. What you got? Yeah, story threads. I got a couple. Um, the Kolars. I want to say the the family, the the rival family who was doing the garbage, who won the garbage bid. Mm-hmm. They're gonna fight back because they killed their little little son. Um, mm-hmm. They're gonna come back and go to war with the Sopranos. Uh, Junior and Livia. They're gonna try to kill Tony. Uh, like in earnest, they're literally gonna do it. Um, all right, Christopher is gonna be hard to handle, like he was in this episode. He's gonna yep. be doing stuff unilaterally. He's gonna mess things up. Meadow and Carmela, they're going to keep feuding, and yep. yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Junior is going to continue to undermine Tony. He's gonna try mm-hmm. to divide and conquer the family, and then. Tony's gonna have to kill him. That's my prediction. I have not seen this series all the you way. You've not seen Sopranos no. all the way through? No, I have not seen oh, the series all the way through. Are you gonna watch it now? I will watch it. Yes, I, I was gonna start today actually. Um, yeah. So it's it's I, a ride. Okay. Okay. So that that's my prediction. Obviously, people know more than I do whether that actually happens. Okay. More panic attacks? Question mark is what I wrote down. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. And then Dr. Melfi is going to encounter Tony outside the office. Maybe a sexual encounter? Question mark. Okay. Maybe a little uh, tryst. Yeah. Well, okay. Can I just say, like, when mm-hmm. Tony sees Dr. Melfi in real life, that is the most honest portrayal of a therapist meeting her client in real life that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Because that has happened to me and i've heard it happened to friends of mine and all of them have been like it is it is that fucking awkward <laughs> i was gonna ask you if that's ever happened to me it has happened to me but she didn't recognize she didn't recognize me oh that's good that's good yeah that's happened to yeah that has happened to friends of mine and and they've and they've also i've had a friend who've met their therapist in like a more salacious manner like a oh, salacious no. party and it was extremely awkward I mean, how could it not be? <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, I, I, it's hard for me because I've seen everything but the last three episodes. Because I know I, I, this is also a show that has been talked in nauseum, so the the ending has been ruined for me. And I and I know what's coming, and so I was just like, ah, I, I for for whatever reason, I, I wasn't able to finish. 
Um, so it's hard for me to talk about story threads without that, mm-hmm. without the knowledge of like what happens in the future. Um, so I agree. I agree with everything that you're saying. Um, yeah, there's nothing I would add. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, and then lastly, lastly, the cliffhanger theory. Cliffhanger theory is my theory of cliffhangers where there are three. Oh no, three. sorry, sorry. I do got some that. Okay, do some that. yeah. What you got? Um, what happens when Doctor Melfi, in earnest, finds out something that Tony has done illegally? And what is she? Ah. Yeah, because they set yeah. that up. Like you can't tell me because of my job. Right, right, right. So she Thank is you. gonna find out probably, and then yeah. she's gonna have to do something about him. She's gonna have to decide. Yeah, because she did say uh, technically, remember? Yeah. So it yeah. left it open to where she might not rat on him. You know? Yeah. And also, like, what happens when Carmela finds out that Tony's still cheating on her? Oh, that's a good one. That's you good. Because Tony was like, I I got rid of my guma. And then oh, he still he still got her. <laughs> yeah. Another blonde, another blonde woman too. Yeah, and, uh, but it's fun. They 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 re they recast that woman, and then she's not blonde. She's like brunette. Oh, they do. Yeah, they do. Spoiler. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. So yeah, going to uh, cliffhanger. Cliffhanger theory. There's three cliffhangers, I believe. If there's more or less, you tell me. But this is what I believe. You have a big reveal, you have a burning question, or you have a main character activate. Mm-hmm. Burning questions and big reveals are the most popular. And in this series, uh, it's a it's a very, very soft big reveal. It's not a huge cliffhanger, mm-hmm. which is, again, it kind of opens in the same contemplative way. I mean, it closes in the same contemplative, contemplative way mm-hmm. that it closes. So they have the scene where uh, Uncle Junior and Livia's mother, Tony's mother, is in, are in the car. And they're having a conversation where they're not saying what they want to say. Basically, Junior's undermining Tony again. Mother's not coming to his defense mm-hmm. he's saying things like we might have to do something about tony and if anybody's watching any gangster show movie of any kind we already know what that means he's mm-hmm. gonna get whacked and the mother just doesn't say a goddamn word and <laughs> sits back there and it's like just tragic honestly that yeah, she tragic. just says nothing yeah and it's hurtful to watch and then he's so happy then tony's so happy to see his mom mm-hmm. and his uncle junior and is like okay now we can start the party because nobody could eat till his mom showed up of mm-hmm. course you know what i mean and so it's just a big reveal that like all the rumors or all that anxiety that he was uh, referencing, he's been referencing all those panic attacks that we've been seeing are not unfounded. They are right. real. That anxiety is real. And it's right. for a reason because his family really is trying to kill him. Right, right. Um, I think that I, I absolutely agree with you. I, th- I think that a closer comp to what is what the ending is is actually what happens at the end of Abbott Elementary. You know, it's like because we're in a place where like serialized tv isn't quite the norm it does feel like the pilot sets up what the engine of the show is but you're not necessarily going to get a a a thing that's going to connect all of the episodes together except for the relationships you know Mm -hmm. it it does feel like it's going to be crime of the week almost Mm -hmm. rather than like a a forward through line that's going to like that we have to kind of watch. Yeah. And then as the season, as the show gets more and more, because you can also, the thing about what's the great about this show is they're still figuring out what this show is and what 
telling stories in this way on TV looks like, and they play with a lot of things. And as the show gets more settled into itself, then all of a sudden you see like storyline, story threads that kind of drive it forward, real true cliffhangers that's going to cause you to like want to tune in for the next the next week. You know what I mean? Like themes for the entire season. Um, where the pilot does feel like, all right, this is the story. This is what the show is. Are you going to sign up for this ride and are you going to not? Mm-hmm. Unlike another show in which was pitched as the as as the Sopranos in Castles, i.e. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Here we do. We got it. <laughs> I got it in. I got it in. Um, it this show I don't I think actually is like okay so this is this it's you know it's like ER they're gonna be here they're gonna do this we're gonna deal with a crime of the week and you're gonna kind of watch Tony and his relationships deepen as the show continues. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is interesting. I didn't think about it as a case of the week drama, but it does from the pilot suggest that it could have the potential to be that. Yeah, because all the all the, they all get wrapped up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? For for That's what true. we know, yeah. For what we know, the checks are done. For what we know, the MRI guy, the the HMO guy is done. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, we know that like, all right. So then maybe like Tony might have conflict with Junior that might cause him to you know get into a fight. You know, but even like Artie is like he lost his restaurant. That's kind of done. You know what I mean? Like all these things are feel like they're done. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Good point. Well, yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got from my cliffhanger. Oh. Uh, we got through our segments. We talked about what's a f- masterpiece of a television show. Yeah, so um, what is it? Is it a, is it game-changing? Is it great? Is it good? You already it know. <laughs> you already know. It's the, fir- it's the first game-changing pilot that we've done on the episode one show. I know it is. It's the one that, like, when we told our all our friends... We're gonna write. We're gonna do a podcast about episode, the first episode of TV for shows, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Oh, when are you gonna do The Sopranos? When are you gonna do Breaking Bad? When are you gonna do Game of Thrones?" And spoiler alert: We're never gonna do Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do Game of Thrones so bad. No, so bad. our very last episode when the episode one show ends. Yeah, when it comes to an end, that'll it, be the one. That's how you'll know it's over. Yeah. <laughs> all right so game changing we'll give it to give it that and uh with that like we're pretty much wrapped up but we gotta i gotta ask you because i need to know mm-hmm. what are you watching elijah what are you I, watching yep i started watching only murders in the building um which i was actually really surprised by when i because i didn't i didn't watch it and um it also is like i know i'm here in new york so it, it actually is the showcase of working actors in new york so if you want to know who is a new york actor who's been working for like 20 years watch only murders in the building um because i was like oh yeah i know that dude i know that i know that lady i know that person um so but i'm really surprised by that because tonally it like it's one thing and then all of a sudden it becomes something else it got so earnest how you feel about it we'll talk about it yeah we'll talk about it you don't want to talk about it here no we'll talk about it you just don't want to say no, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. All Let's right. talk about it. I'll say yeah. I love I love Only Murders in the Building. I nice. love that show. Nice. It's one of my favorite shows. I like that show. Oh, nice. Yeah, I couldn't like I was I wasn't I was un I was pleasantly surprised because I thought it was going to be like essentially 
you know, like a like Monty Python, you know what I mean, with them running around like slapstick comedy, comedy, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it gets so so earnest, like mm-hmm. super earnest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So okay. Uh, anything else, or is that true? Yeah, and I started Griselda. Um, okay, okay. And I watched, and my Netflix kept fucking up. So then I, I, I just played a Griselda album. <laughs> That's a bad joke. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so for me, I was watch actually watched uh, some of half of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith on Amazon. Yeah, Prime. that's on my list. Yeah. I actually really liked it. I I had a f- I didn't I, for a feeling I had a feeling I might not like it. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I just thought that it was kind of strange idea. But I didn't really understand what they were trying to do, and I enjoyed it while I was figuring it out. What, it, mm-hmm. what I'm finding is it's actually seems like it's in that universe like it's just another it's just an offshoot and kind of building that universe like that world that uh it's kind of like you know a mission impossible where the in, impossible mission force oh is i like, see so the is mr. like an myth organization is, yeah, yeah so the mr mr smith is like like what is it mi6 and yeah it's like uh like it's yeah. a imf yeah it's like yeah. they're they're the company is like an imf that uh-huh. has multiple Mr. and Mrs. Smiths all uh, around the world wow. doing that's cool. doing like clandestine out like like basically third party shit. Oh, kind of like cool. Blackwater except for spies. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, and it's pretty funny. And I like I like Donald Glover's writing and his style. Mm-hmm. And I know nice. there's been a lot of talk about his break with Phoebe Waller Bridge, but again, this is not a, a gossip podcast about writers no. but you can look it up but i i, lo- I love phoebe waller bridge too and i would yeah, be interested he's, to he's see he's also not being he's also not being um quiet about it no no I, I don't really like that type of shit you know what i mean just keep it you know, like what are you trying to just drive people to the show or are you just being messy and it just feels yeah. a little messy yeah personally but anyway i'm really enjoying that show and then i did start griselda i didn't have enough time to really get into it that first episode but um anyway that's yeah, what I'm, I'm watching. I'm in, I'm interested. I I love Narcos. Um, and even though I kind of fell off of Narcos Mexico in the first the original Mar- Narcos, um, but like I love the fact that like they have their own kind of little cinematic universe that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like you know, pretty cool. It, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, right. and that's so, all I got. Yeah. All right. So for our next two episodes. It's actually going to be a surprise for us because what we're doing is like I get to pick one that Colin cannot veto and Colin gets yeah. to pick one that he can't veto. And so we are now telling each other which... For the first time. For the first time, which shows we're going to do. Okay. You want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I'm going to go to the roots of this. I, I'm literally making this because I had two and I'm switching them back. We're doing roots. Head. No, 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 no! Absolutely not! No, to the roots of this show, this show, how we did Deep Space Nine first. Mm. I'm taking it to the contemporary, one of my favorite new Star Trek offshoots, Star Trek Voyager. I'm mean, not sorry, sorry. I'm sorry, not Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Discovery. Nice. Trek Discovery. I've always yeah. wanted to watch Discovery, so it gives me. Oh, excuse. great! Oh, yeah. it's great. The pilot's great. Dope, dope, dope. dope. All right, well, <laughs> we're gonna stay in space. Okay, because um, my suggest my thing is going to be Cowboy Bebop. Okay, wait, are we talking about the anime? Or are we talking about the live action anime? Reboot? Of course, we're not talking okay. about you. You smell. You said that you thing made a that face like I smelled a fart, man. 
again. <laughs> like I slapped the shit out of you. <laughs> no, that that that, that the that. live action uh, is is something we do not discuss. Okay. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. So we got. I'm excited about this one. This is great. Look, 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 y'all. Listen, me and Colin, we try to branch out. We try not to be genre phobic. We try to like watch everything that we can, but at a heart of hearts, we are two nerdy, nerdy niggas with mics. And so we're going to talk about genre as much as we possibly as much can. As we can. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. He, he thought I was going to do the gangster genre and I thought about it, but, um, or the crime genre, uh, crime genre, but, uh, nah, I just, I, that, I really just love this pilot so much mm-hmm. and what they, what it does for the universe. Some people, some Star Trek folks didn't quite, like some other things that they did, but we can talk about that in the podcast. Nice. All right. So if you all want to get ahead, uh, coming up next is Star Trek Discovery. Uh, and then we're going to follow that up with Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Want to plug right, some socials? Good. Yeah. yeah uh, the ep- at the episode one show on, on Instagram and at the episode one pod on X. You can find me uh, at Colin Says Things on X and you can find my Instagram at the um, at Colin, the producer. And you can follow me at Julian Elijah Martinez on Instagram. And I deactivated my ex and then reactivated my ex. So you can follow me at Julian Elijah. Okay. <laughs> that shit was unactivated for like half a day. I even told my girlfriend, I was like, I have deactivated X. I can no longer deal with this cesspool of <laughs> negativity. And then I was literally on there yesterday looking up what happened on WWE SmackDown. It's <laughs> great. That's a great tool, unfortunately. <laughs> awesome, y'all. Well, thank you so much for listening. I'm looking at my my thing and just realized it's been spiking. So it's gonna be an interesting edit for you. Uh, cool. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you give us a like, subscribe, uh, shoot us a comment. Remember, we're trying to have this be in conversation. So you know what I mean. Like, hit us up. If you have opinions, if you have things that you want to add, things that we miss, we really want to connect to y'all as a community and, you know, let's let's chat. Let's talk about it. Also, something we haven't done, uh, you can also email us if you like at uh, the episode one pod at gmail.com. If you have a question or you want to reach out, tell us you think we suck or you really love what we do. Either one, we appreciate so yeah, please Maybe also suck in one. We're so fragile. Yeah, yeah, don't don't do that. But I just like to. That's my insecurities. I, I'm motivated by my insecurities, just like Hesh says in Soprano. But anyway, uh, so that's the episode one show. Thanks again for listening. And as Elijah says at the end of every episode, peace, peace.